Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 18 of the WrestleGeddon Podcast. I am, as always, your most illustrious host, Chris the Heat Matthews. Joined with me once again, as we do every week now, my man, Garrett G. Money Mun. What's going on? What's up, man? Whole lot of going on. Gonna get into it. A uh, little housekeeping, we're going to make sure you guys uh, rate us, review us on the app, and anywhere you listen to us, whether it's Spotify, whether it's iTunes, blah, 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 wherever you listen to us, just make sure you follow us, you like us, you tell all your friends about us. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at WrestleGetInPod to stay up to date with all the new episodes. And feel free to email us with any questions or comments at AskWrestleGeddon at gmail.com. We may answer them, we may not, we may laugh, we may cry, but we'll get back with you maybe. (laughs) Now, it's very important, uh, especially with iTunes, to go ahead and give us that five-star review, just like that five-star frog splash. That's really going to help us get this noticed and help the word spread on pretty much iTunes itself, about the WrestleGeddon podcast and the fun stuff that we're doing over here. Because we want to talk wrestling every week, and we want y'all to listen to us talk wrestling every week. Because it's what we do, and it's what we enjoy doing, and it's so much fun. So go ahead, give us that five-star review, just so we can spread the WrestleGeddon podcast. Yep, yep, yep. So, with that being said, let's break it down with some news. Well, hotline fans, I have got a hotline rumor for you. The number, what's the number? Let me call the number. In the Hulkster's hotline, you may do so by dialing one 900 hulk All right, so, should we start with the the hot topic? Yeah. Hot uh, topic this week? Sin Cara asking for his release. Uh, think it's about time. I mean, I don't feel like they use this character right. I mean, it's not the actual Sin Cara anyway. So, uh, it'll be interesting where he goes, what he does. If WWE just puts another man behind the mask, it'll uh, definitely be an interesting thing to see. Well, the biggest thing that I've read with Sin Cara, and pretty much on like the Facebook groups, things like that, with people commenting on Sin Cara leaving is... You know how much he botches. I think people are forgetting that that was the original Sin Cara that was Mystico from, um, I think it was AAA or CMLL, one of the two. Yeah. The initially that was Mystico. He was the one that was doing all the botches. Since Unico took over the the role of Sin Cara, like when he was injured, you know, we had the fake Sin Cara, the real Sin Cara, had the one in the blue, the one in the black. Um, Unico was essentially the one in the black. There hasn't been as many botched spots during a Sankara match. 
I mean, occasionally you're going to get one or two, but it's not like where he was botching the entrance off the trampoline or overshooting specific moves because he hadn't gotten accustomed to the WWE style. Unico, the one that's under the Sin Cara mask now, came up through WWE's developmental system and was brought up, you know, through all that and then, you know, put under the mask of Sin Cara. So, like, with that being said, would WWE take the route of releasing Unico from the contract as Sin Cara and putting uh, someone else under the mask? Like, Impact did with Suicide. Because there's like five different people that played Suicide, with the last one being TJP or TJ Perkins when he wrestled under the name Manic, which pretty much was Suicide. They didn't want to use the Suicide name again. Same costume, same character. Gotcha. So, but with them, with WWE owning the name Sin Cara, I can definitely see them. Yeah, I mean, to I'm, it still. I'm sure they will. I mean, whatever. I've never really enjoyed this entire character anyway. They keep him off TV for a while and then rebrand him, bring him back, maybe throw him in with Lucha House Party. Who yeah, knows? Maybe. Maybe that's uh, Umberto's fate or Angel Garza. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, but the biggest, biggest hot topic in the wrestling world right now CM Punk. Yeah. CM Punk is back in a capacity working alongside WWE, not for WWE, but he is under contract with Fox for WWE's Backstage, which is a Fox-produced show, which a lot of people seem to be forgetting that Punk is not actually working for WWE. He's working for a program that talks about WWE that's produced by Fox. So Punk is essentially being paid by Fox, not WWE. Well, Punk returning, how much farther is that door open for an actual in-ring return for CM Punk? Oh, it's way further open. I mean, I think Fox is going to want him in there day one if they could get him in there, but it's not going to happen. I mean, it's it's still going to take time. Um, I still think the there's still got to be certain... There's definitely going to be certain things Punk's going to want in a contract that yeah, like I ice cream bars. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that WWE's gonna have to just if they want him back that bad, they're gonna have to bite their their tongue and just let do certain things that they may or may not like. But it's gonna be the only thing you're gonna get Punk back, and it's gonna boost your ratings so much. It's gonna be worth it. So WWE be stupid not to do it. Well, the biggest thing too, you know, Fox is gonna push, especially with the decline in ratings for SmackDown. When your highest rated SmackDown show, which is pretty much the highest rated wrestling show that week, was when all your main line talent was stuck overseas in Saudi Arabia. And you have the whole beginning of the NXT takeover uh, for the build for Survivor Series. Everybody tuned in to see what the hell was going to happen because we all knew that you know their talent was stuck in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And since then, the ratings have dropped again because there's not that much consistency anymore with WWE and a lot of the product. So I can see, to your point, with Fox pushing WWE to make some kind of deal and have Punk come in and at least wrestle or make some sort of appearance on SmackDown to help boost ratings for that. 
me personally, being the big CM Punk fan that I am, he is one of my top three favorite wrestlers of all time. I would love to see Punk back in the ring. I think the end of his I, career wasn't up to par and up I don't to think it's even something so. that he would want. I think no. I think that'd be another thing too is maybe there's a part of Punk that just wants to come back to just leave on a better note because he left on I felt like a such a sour note. Even though it really was more of the creative control that he didn't like, which I get. You know, you don't want to be, you want to be happy wrestling. That's the point. Where I feel like all wrestlers want to be happy with what they're doing, what they're producing. And I think for him, he wasn't happy with anything that he was doing, so he left. And I don't blame him for that. I mean, like in all honesty, he should have been in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. It, that's what it should have been. It should have been CM Punk defending the WWE title in the main event in WrestleMania. But instead, they forced him to drop the title to The Rock at the Royal Rumble that year so The Rock could defend the title against John Cena. And that... I don't know how many people actually wanted to see that match since we just saw it the previous year. Yeah. For the, the first time ever, you know, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, once-in-a-lifetime matchup... John Cena and The Rock, then, oh, well, let's do it again next year, but this time we'll make it for the WWE title just to make it different from the previous year so they can market it again as a once-in-a-lifetime matchup. I mean, all the other once-in-a-lifetime matches they had, they had once. They didn't have them twice. Yeah. Not that I can think of. And the same thing with that, too, is that, you know, they're going to pit him in a program with Triple H, which... Me, personally, I would have been fine with because that would have been a solid matchup. But that's not where Punk felt he should be. We're talking about someone that carried the company on his back for you know years while Cena and The Rock were in and out of the company, all filming movies and doing TV shows and things like that. Who was the one constant? Punk. Yep. So, yeah. Figure news. Not a whole lot going on, but uh, we got some new WWE Funko Pops announced with some pretty pretty awesome Funkos coming out. Um, we got The Miz, who is decked out in his entire entrance gear, his current entrance gear. You know, sunglasses, the robe, and the stupid Naruto headband. Um, we got a throwback Cena, the uh, Doctor of Thugonomics, with the Word Life brass knuckles. We got a Mean Gene. I'm pretty excited about that one. That'll probably be one that I definitely pick up. Um, we have a Naomi, who also has a Chase version, which is a glow in the dark version, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's also a Diesel, who will also have a Chase of Kevin Nash in his uh, NWO gear to go with the Chase Scott Hall that came out last year. Uh, we got a Walmart exclusive of Hogan ripping his shirt. Um, headband on that says Python Power. And we also have the first figure of The Fiend to hit the market. It is an Amazon exclusive. Um, and it is up for pre-order now. I think it was like $12.99. So you can pre-order that now on Amazon and get the very first Fiend figure to hit the market. Even before Mattel's. Because it'll probably be middle of next year or the end of next year before we get the Mattel Fiend. Yeah. It generally takes about a year for a turnaround time for that, where Funko can whip things out pretty quickly because they reuse a lot of their old parts, especially if it's a new a new character that they're designing because it's going to get the standard Funko 
hose with whatever head sculpt that they're using. So. Yeah. Pretty cool. Did you see? Uh, yeah, I, I saw all the Funkos. I've definitely seen the new mock of the Fiend. I've seen they have the face scan and everything. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I def- I, I'm not so much into figures like I have been in certain last couple years, but um, whenever there's cert- certain figures, I definitely try and get. Um, that would definitely be one I want, for sure. That figure is going to be amazing when it comes out. Um, but yeah, uh, we do have a couple of discussion topics to talk about also, uh, one of which is, do you think AEW needs a secondary title like a U.S. or Intercontinental title? I would say yes, um, just mainly because you have a lot of that talent on there, like Moxley, like Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, Pac, um, like guys like that that aren't really... Like, I think that match with um, Pac and Hangman probably would have meant more. Um, so this past Sunday at Full Gear probably would have meant more if it was for a title. Like, it was still a great matchup from the highlights that I saw because I didn't watch the pay-per-view. I watched the, uh, like, an hour-long YouTube highlight reel. Um, but I, I feel like if they had like a U.S. title or an I.C. title or even like a TV title or something like that, I think it would give a little bit more meaning to, to some of the matches and a little bit more meaning to the ranking system. Because not everybody is going to get a title shot, regardless of what their record is. Because you, you can take someone like Sonny Kiss, who could have a record of 3-0 and and be undefeated, but will not get a title shot compared to someone like, let's say Cody, who's like five and two. So to me, a three and zero record is better than a five and two record. No, you're you know right. I mean, um, I definitely agree with that sentiment too. They, they, I feel like there's a lot of guys that are out there that are putting on these high caliber matches, but like, what are they wrestling for? I don't mean in a bad way. Like, I guess. They want to, you know, have whatever winning record or whatever, but I feel like they're just kind of lost in the cycle of they're just fighting, but they're never going to be in the the big title picture, at least not anytime soon. So I feel like if you had this extra title for them to kind of fight for all of them together, it would kind of make it more interesting, and I think it would catch fans with a little bit more attention to the matches because they're they're fighting for something more than just the... I beat this person in this match. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that definitely is something they need to The, the other work side on. of that, the flip side to that, too, is don't oversaturate your title by adding, you know, titles that you really don't need. You know, other companies have a tendency to do that um, and add titles just for the sake of having titles that you never see get defended very often. Or once yep. in a great while, or once a month, or whatever. But by having a secondary or mid card title, I think would bring a little bit more to the table than just them them fighting wrestling for no reason. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Arn Anderson and Daniel Tosh. Yeah. Apparently, Daniel Tosh has had an issue with Arn Anderson since he was a kid. Um, apparently the reasoning that Daniel Tosh has been running down Arn Anderson on his show 
for God knows how long, it's because Tosh was not a fan of Arn Anderson as a kid. But, <laughs> of all the people to start running down on your show, you're going to pick the former enforcer of one of the most dominant factions in wrestling history, the Four Horsemen. You're going to attack Arn Anderson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All I have to say uh, for Daniel Tosh is, uh, I hope you're ready for a reckoning that's coming your way. Okay, I hope your life insurance policy is pretty good. Cause <laughs> <laughs> that spine buster you're going to get is going to be pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> but with that same aspect, too, Arn Anderson released a video um, talking about the beef that Daniel Tosh has with him. And if you have not checked it out, you can find it on YouTube. Um, Arn Anderson, I'm sure, has a link to it on his Twitter. That was probably the best wrestling promo that has been released or has been done all freaking week. It was great. And it, it was Arn Anderson. Arn yeah. Anderson dropped a fire promo that was better than anything that we've seen on AEW, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NWA, MLW, anything. And it was a video of Arn Anderson retaliating against Daniel Tosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't watched it, go to YouTube. I watched it a little while ago. It is amazing. It's worth the watch. And, uh, yeah. Arn Anderson is that dude. That dude. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. And we'll be back for our Get in the Ring segment. So stay tuned. What's up, everyone? This is Chris the Heat Matthews, the host of the WrestleGeddon podcast. And I want to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, and they give you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. The creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, and we are back and it is time to get in the ring. So let's break it down. SmackDown last week. Um, big news coming out of the SmackDown. The New Day. Was that 15 time? Uh, Five time? Something like that. Six time? Six or seven. Seven times? Something like that? I don't know. 15 might be a little stretch, but <laughs> I'm thinking something I'd else. I'd say 15, so, if you, 15 maybe for Kofi. 
Yeah. Oh. Kofi's holding the fucking title so many times with like <laughs> ten different tag team partners. But uh, whatever, how many different times it was? I think it. It's either six or seven. seven. I think it's seven. I think it is seven. But uh, New know. Day is uh, the new tag team champions beating the Revival. Um, I wish the Revival's run was a little more. What? It was lackluster. That, that's what it was. It was a lackluster title run for the Revival. I think it was just, well, let's give them the title so they don't start talking about leaving again. Yep. Honestly, you just got to, you got talent that's unhappy. You're not, they don't want to be there anymore. The Revival, just just let them go. Let them be free. Give us what we want. Free the Revival. FTR, baby. FTR, FTR baby. Free the Revival. Hashtag FTR. Let the revival go, so we can get matches that we want to see with the revival. Let them do what they want. We want the revival versus the Young Bucks, and it's not going to happen in WWE now. Wait, if we're going to start a hashtag, we need to we need to set a free the ascension hashtag. Yeah, I mean, free like half the tag teams that are sitting on the bench. When's the last time we've seen Connor and Victor on TV? Connor and Victor, uh, the Colognes. You can't tell me they can't fucking wrestle. They can put them on 205. You can put them anywhere. Give, give me some cruiserweight tag titles and put the Colognes on 205. Yeah. Put the Ascension back on NXT and let them rip shit up again. You know, but yeah. Free the tag teams. Yeah. Free the tag teams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also had a match between... It was Mel and Dana and... They went over Fire and Desire to claim spots on the SmackDown Women's Tag Team. I mean, between the two teams, I definitely like Fire and Desire way better. I think I think their cohesiveness together is definitely way better. Obviously, you just put two people together with Mel and Dana and so, just did it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of Carmella. Mella is money. Yeah. I'm a fan of Dana Brooke. Because she reminds me of, you know, Beth Phoenix and Natalia. And as everyone knows, I'm a huge Beth Phoenix and Natalia fan. Diva's a doom for life. Um, but nobody, I'm probably in the minority here that wants to see Carmella and Dana on TV or doing something. But nobody wants to see them as part of a Survivor Series team. When you have women on the roster that are doing more every week. Then Carmella and Dana Brooke. Yeah. For example, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, Fire and Desire, have done more on TV over the last six months than Carmella and Dana Brooke have. Which, sadly, a lot of it has to do with them both being on Total Divas. Yeah, and that, that's pretty and much what it is. Sonya so. being, you know, Sonya. Yeah. So. That's pretty much what it is. But is Carmella's on Total Divas too, isn't she? She is. I, I think. Dana I actually think. I think all four are on. Total probably Divas. all four are, but I mm. think more of Mandy and Sonya are more newer on the show, so they just want to get them out there more. I, I don't know. For me, like I definitely didn't at first. I didn't like either of them, but they Mandy more than Sonya has grown on me because she's definitely. Improved a lot since she gets first started. Mandy reminds me a lot of Trish. Yes. To where, you know, Trish was terrible when she started. 
like when she was a valet for a test in Albert. Um, that, that's pretty much what she was. And then, you know, she started wrestling and you can see over time her skill and her adaption to the business got better and better with every match that she did. And that's kind of the same with Mandy. The more that you see her in the ring, the more you see her work. She's come a long way from being on that tough enough competition with, of course, Sonya and Velveteen Dream and a couple other people that were on that show as well. She's come a long way. And, you know, Paige ripped her a new one on that show, telling her pretty much that she sucked and had no business being there. And I think Mandy's proven that she she's earned her spot on the roster. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Now, will she be the next Trish Stratus? No. Probably not. <laughs> so, That's um, a, a hard no. Yes. <laughs> oh, but, like, the, the comparisons are there. And it's not just because they're both blonde and attractive. Um, it's just one of those things. Like, the, the career paths are kind of... Like, as far as the in-ring progression and things like that are very similar. But, um, what else we have? Baron Corbin beat Roman Reigns. Um, Baron, he had to get help with Ziggler and Rude to win, but yeah. But yeah, a sure. W's a W. A W's a W. It's going to go down in the record book as Baron Corbin beat Roman Reigns. Yeah. So, yeah, so that happened. And then Daniel Bryan got attacked by The Fiend. Yeah. Oh, and Sammy ran like a little bitch. Sammy ran like a little four-year-old child. And was it? That was the same week we had the uh, Imperium attack as well. So Imperium was on SmackDown also. Yep. So and that was pretty much the biggest noteworthy things from SmackDown and really Raw. I didn't watch Raw. I read some results. The biggest noteworthy thing on there was, of course, um, Imperium as well, keeping the NXT invasion going. You know, with them being in the UK. Yep. Um, we had uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Gordon face the Viking Raiders, Viking Raiders. which they lost. Um, and Walter originally was face Rollins, but then all Imperium kind of attacked. So it was Imperium versus Rollins, the Street Profits, and Kevin Owens. And they ended up winning that match. So, well, of course they did. So. Yeah. But, um,. So, using Imperium and Andrews and, um, was it Webster? It's Webster, right? Flash Webster? Flash Webster, yep. yep. It was like Flash Gordon. Yeah, Flash Gordon. He'll save every one of us. Dun, dun, Flash. dun, dun. dun. Oh. All right. <laughs> yeah, but Raw, and on top of that, too, you had, um, the Lana, Rusev, Lashley, love triangle thing where Lana was proclaiming to be pregnant, um, which I don't know if she actually is or how that ended, but for them to use a pregnancy story angle when there are so many women out there that are probably wrestling fans that are unable to carry a child of their own or even conceive a child, to do a angle like this is pretty pretty low and lazy writing in my opinion. And the crowd booed the shit out of it. Apparently they booed so loud that they could barely finish the promo. It was that bad. So, yeah. But, yeah, that's all we're talking about with Raw, because it really wasn't that great. Thank God for that UK crowd, man. Thank God. They're they're great. Because some of the crowd here in the U.S. doesn't give a shit and will eat up everything that WWE throws at them, regardless of how how much of a dumpster fire it is. And that's 
unfortunately, a lot of these people, damn casual fans. Damn casual fans. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do NX. Well, we can do four well, years. Yeah, let's jump into AEW. We'll do. We'll run down AEW this week. So we'll start with pay per view. Um, as you see, I also notated on our notes. Um, the C's and the G's are our predictions. So I had to go back and go through last week's huh. to look at the uh, predictions there. So. Nice. Um, so we'll break down full gear. Uh, I watch highlights of this, um, which is like an hour and twenty minute thing on YouTube that I found. And they actually pulled out a lot of the stuff. Um, pretty good highlights from each match, though. So. But um, Britt Baker, of course, won over Bree Priestley um, using her submission hold, which she, uh, the rings of Saturn with the mandible claw, which is pretty awesome. Um, of course, after the match, B Priestley was attacked by Brandy Rhodes and Awesome Kong. And apparently, Awesome Kong thinks she's Boba Fett because now she's scalping bitches. And wearing them like Wookiee scalps. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, the main show, Proud and Powerful, uh, went over the Young Bucks, which was a pretty awesome match, which saw the Rock and Roll Express get involved, who were sitting at ringside, and Ricky Morton hit a fucking Canadian Destroyer. I don't know how he didn't break his back doing <laughs> it, but... Damn for sure he did it. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, I saw it. It was quite awesome. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, the Bastard Pock lost to Hangman Page. Um, you think thought that would have been the end of the matches between these two, but apparently they had to wrestle again on AEW TV. Uh, we will talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Sean Spears, of course, went over Joey Janela. Oh, it's all that um, coming. Man. Had a little help from Tully Blanchard. Hit a spike pile driver on the outside on Janela. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah. Damn, dude. So, like, I don't know really what they're doing with Sean Spears. Like, they really haven't done anything outside of, like, he kind of had that that one blow-off match with Cody um, after, you know, the chair shot thing. And they haven't really done anything else with that. You think, thought maybe they are going to run, like, a whole angle with it. But... Spears carrying the chair to the ring with him every week and all that is still proclaiming himself as the chairman when he hasn't hit anybody with that chair since he ducked Cody with it is kind of a it's like a lost lost cause I guess or missed opportunity uh, SCU retained over the Lucha Brothers and Private Party uh, after the match lights go out Oh, was it after the match or during the match? Oh, oh that's right. It was during the match. Just the end of the match, actually. Got you. Uh, towards the end of the match, lights go out, um, come back on, and there are two pentagons in the ring. Yeah. Two pentagons. Two pentagons. Yeah. So they both throw up the, the Cerro Miedo hand signal, and then the imposter pentagon attacks the real pentagon. Yeah. Unmasked, and it's none other than the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. So, Daniels is back. Yeah. Very excited about that. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, what else happened? Rio retained over Sakura. Like, I'm not really a big fan of either of these two. Um, honestly, I think Rio is only in her position as AEW Women's Champion because of her relationship with Kenny, Me- Kenny Omega being one of her trainers. And that's honestly my personal opinion on that. 
I mean, it doesn't make it factual or anything, but that's just that's just what I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get it much either. I don't. I'm not a big fan of either. I'm watched a little bit here and there, the two of them, and or well, the Rio, not Sakura, but I've never been in that. Super I mean, impressed. she's not. She's not a bad wrestler. No, 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 no. Like her matches are good. They're entertaining. I'm just not a fan. Though, I mean, I don't think she should really be the the face of AEW's women's division when you have other talent on there like Britt Baker and Ali. Um, you even have Awesome Kong who is probably the most veteran person on your roster and her pretty not being utilized like she should be um, is kind of a missed opportunity for that. I mean, I wouldn't well, even but. be mad if Brandy Rhodes had the title. I mean, I wouldn't want it, but I wouldn't be mad. I think Brandy's worse than Rio when it comes to actually in-ring ability. But um, it's just like AEW's women's division isn't as polished, so to say, as WWE's. So, you know, there are still a lot of, you know, botched spots in their matches and um, not a lot of great storytelling, so to say, in the ring. Whereas you would get that out of, you know, like a Shayna Baszler and uh, Bianca Belair match where you have great storytelling in the ring, great back and forth action. It's just like everything that they do is right down to every detail is more polished than AEW Women's Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else happened? We had Jericho taking on Cody, uh, which honestly boggles my mind that it wasn't the main event, but I understand why. Um, especially um, going through the highlights of Moxley versus Omega and the stuff that yeah. the two of them did. You really yeah. couldn't be able to follow that match with the AEW title match, but Jericho did retain. Um, this kind of poses a question that really wasn't addressed this week on Dynamite. Since Cody never submitted or said, I quit during this matchup or was pinned, and MJF was the one that threw in the towel for Cody. Is there a technicality where Cody can still still work around the challenge for the AEW title again? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question they need to talk about. I mean, that was definitely one of the biggest questions I had afterwards because I was like, well, he didn't lose. MJF threw in the towel and, you know, you know, also, you know, he turned on Cody and hit him in the turn on him anyway and whatever so that i mean that even mm-hmm. throws it even more in there like how can you have someone just throwing a towel for you and oh now nah, you don't get a title shot but i mean you didn't actually lose you you didn't lose someone made you lose i guess yeah but yeah, I, I, think, I, I guess it'll still go down in their records as a loss i mean but i don't know but it seems like that it can be a loophole it's something they need to address it. and at least talk about i mean not necessarily have to talk about it now or Whatever they should have always brought it up, but um, on that same aspect too, with Cody with um, MJF turning on Cody, MJF turned on Cody. MJF didn't turn heel. MJF was already heel. Every single matchup that he did, that it was singles match, singles match, tag match, anything like that, any promo that he did was always as a heel. True. He only helped out Cody because Cody was his quote unquote best friend. Obviously not. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> but MJF never turned heel. You can't turn heel if you're already heel. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Jericho retained over that match. Um, Moxley beat Omega in a unsanctioned lights out match, which honestly, I think this is what Moxley is going to be relegated to. Um, he left WWE for lack of creative freedom and creative control to come to a company where all he does is unsanctioned hardcore matches that don't mean anything. So he pretty much is AEW's version of Mick Foley and Terry Funk. Yeah. I mean, the match was great. It was it was good. I mean, I definitely enjoyed the, the I mean, there spots. Was, and... There was a lot of spots in there that were oh, insane. Man. Like the bed frame with the barbed wire. Oh, my God. Because like, <laughs> I only watched the video because I, I guess the Bucks and Hangman brought it out. Because yeah. I saw like Omega like calling him out there, and the Bucks were like, "No, no, you don't want, to, you don't want." To bring it out. And they brought it out there, and freaking Moxley just suplexes Omega through. I was like, "Holy shit!" It was freaking crazy. And then uh, Omega had the the broom and was like brooming Moxley's back <laughs> back with the barbed wire. I was like, "What the?" There was a lot of insane shit in that matchup, and oh, it was, it was just crazy. You know, Renee Young was tweeting, you know, her dis- her disapproval with a lot of this stuff that was going on in the match. You know, of course, you know, Moxley's her husband. But that just tells me that Renee Young has never seen any of his CZW matches. Apparently not. Because, you know, at least there weren't any power tools involved. So, yeah. Then uh, that pretty much runs down full gear, which wasn't a bad card. Um, no. The arena wasn't as full as you thought it would be for what AEW's been doing recently as far as selling out arenas. Um, it was only about like maybe three quarters of the way full. So there's still a lot of empty seats. But still, you know, we're coming with that time of the year, Christmas time, um, big holiday shopping season. People probably just saving money for that. But who knows? Um, we're going to let's jump into. Since we're on AEW, let's jump to AEW's Dynamite. Um, Moxley starts off the show taking on Nakazawa. Um, Very quick matchup, and then issues pretty much an open challenge to anyone in the locker room. And then we had the Dork Order taking on the Jurassic Express, which was the team of Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy, as Luchasaurus was still apparently injured. Um, Dork Order, of course, wins the match by beating Stunt. Uh, after the match, they beat down Marco and Jungle Boy, um, basically because they tried to give Marco Stunt more purpose and make him one of the the Reavers, so to say. And Jungle Boy kind of interfered in that. And then the uh, skinny guy for the Dork Order beat down um, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt and tried to force the mask on him. And then, biggest pop of the night so far, the return of Luchasaurus. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. He just came out of there and destroyed it. That tail whip he did. Oh, oh yeah. Took out those three, the those three, three readers was oh, freaking man. awesome. That was awesome. That was man. a great spot. Oh, and then just to see him do that, he did the uh, the standing moonsault. Yeah, oh, that was fun. I love Luchasaurus. Dude, I tell you the funniest thing, though, is watching Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt standing here right next to each other. <laughs> this fucking, like, four foot nothing standing next to, like, a six foot five guy is fucking great. I honestly, I love jump, uh, Luch, the Jurassic Express. 
but minus Marco Stunt. Yeah. Like, I'm not a fan of Marco Stunt. Uh, like, he looks like my, you know, 15-year-old cousin out there. So, I mean, did his parents have to sign a permission slip for him to wrestle? That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about Chad Gable being short. I think Marco Stunt is shorter than Chad Gable. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. But at least, at least Chad Gable has some muscle on him. Yeah, Marco <laughs> Stunt literally looks like he just walked off the playground. So, <laughs> but, I mean, he's talent. He's He's got some in-ring skills. But it's just... I think he should be wrestling with the Midget Wrestling League and not AEW. So, I mean, at least there he could be a contender <laughs> for the heavyweight titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even think he'd be able to compete on 205 Live. <laughs> He's probably not even 205 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> fuck this shit. So, <laughs> fuck this shit, yeah. Uh, so so the Dark Order beat down. Uh Dark Order went over. Dark Order went over Jurassic Express. Um but coming out of this too, it also made me think of a dream match. Marco Stunt versus Hornswoggle. Oh yeah. Book it. <laughs> Book it. But I think Hornswoggle's taller than Marco Stunt. <laughs> 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 oh, after that. <laughs> then we had Darby Allen um, go over um, Spears and Avalon. Spears and Avalon in a triple threat match. Um, after uh, Janela had interfered, um, causing the distraction for Spears, which got him out of the ring. So Darby was able to pin Avalon. Avalon's pretty much AEW's resident jobber, which sucks because Leva Bates is his manager, and Leva Bates is another phenomenal women's wrestling talent. You may know her as Blue Pants from NXT. Um, unfortunately, she doesn't get utilized as well as she should be, which is another one that should be kind of up there for title contention for AEW women's title, but is not. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, if you didn't see this coming, I don't really know what to tell you because even Stevie Wonder saw this shit. Darby Allen accepted the challenge for Moxley for next week. So, yeah. Yep. Like, I, I don't get it. And, you know, my other question is, why does Darby Allen dress like a 12-year-old girl? Like, with his cut-off jeans and his leggings underneath. I didn't even notice it until you said something to me about it. Yeah. And, and then I, like, see, looked at it. Look at they're, it. like, these, like, they're these short-ass jorts, I think, like, uh, you know, that, like, 16-year-old girl tries to wear to school, but you tell her not to go out to school and wear like those short ass shorts, yeah, yeah. That's what he was wearing with some like leggings or some bullshit. Some black fucking leggings underneath that. And then what does he even have the skateboard for? If all he does is just fucking throw it around, he never rides it unless he rides it to the ring. I've never seen him ride that skateboard to the ring. Can he even ride a skateboard? I when need you to look know it up. this. Can somebody listeners, you know, the seven listeners that we have. Can you, like, Google and see if Darby Allen actually rides a fucking skateboard? If not, he's a fucking poser bitch who needs to stop wearing girls' pants. He girls. needs to stop raiding his mom in his sister's closet and buy some fucking wrestling tights. Jackass. And you got your, like, your half face painted. You're not fucking Thunder Rosa. Get out of here. Bastard. <laughs> I don't like Darby Allen that much. Like, as you can tell, I'm not a big fan. 
Jo. Det gick. Så. Uh, what the fuck else happened? We <laughs> got um, your uh, favorite, uh, favorite woman wrestler. Oh, uh, yeah. The man beast, Nyla Rose, uh, destroyed um, an unknown name. Danny Jordan. Yeah, Danny Jordan. I actually like Danny Jordan. She um seemed like a little better. Maybe if they put her in a different type of matchup or use her, utilize her again with somebody else besides their man beast, Nyla Rose. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much what you'd expect. She dominated the match and destroyed Danny Jordan. Um, then they announced some stupid battle royal for next week. Um, whereas the last two people in the ring will wrestle in a singles match for some diamond studded AEW ring. Like we can't, you can't just make it for a secondary title. It's got to be for a ring. Yeah. I, I don't know. Now, imagine Cody and the Bucks and Omega, you know, your upper echelon of AEW, your management, coming up to the gentleman that will be involved in this matchup and saying, hey, we're doing this battle royal. And the winner gets a ring. Yeah. Do we defend the ring? No. You just wear it whenever you feel like it. This is a, uh, it's a ring. It's a ring. It's some jewelry. Yeah. So th- this is what you get for winning this battle royal is some jewelry. Yeah. You can't give them a fucking trophy at least. Yeah. No, we're giving you a ring. A ring? Like you just won like an NBA championship or NFL championship or something. Or you got put into the Hall of Fame. Here's a ring. Yeah. Fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, let's see. We had a segment with... Uh, interview with Allie, and of course she gets jumped from behind by Kong and Brandy, and here comes Boba Kong, again, scalping bitches and wearing them like Wookiee scalps on her belt. What the fuck are you doing to Awesome Kong? Uh, I don't know. She, at one point, was one of the most dominant women in the industry like any women's roster she was on, she dominated. Even her short run in WWE, she dominated. And now you got her playing second fiddle to Brandy Rhodes, scalping bitches. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand who's writing this shit. Because. Fuck this shit. I've never seen Austin Kong in a good segment. Even when she was in WWE, she fucking... The best thing she ever did was, was fucking beating the shit out of Michael Cole. She did that and she hit the um hit the bellows with the bitch killer. Yeah, that too. With her implant buster. Yeah, that too. So, she used to get Michael uh, Cole nightmares. <laughs> I love Awesome Kong. Like... If you haven't, if I feel like they could do not, well with her, but like I've not seen on TV anything they've done well with her. If you're not familiar with Awesome Kong, um, hit up YouTube, search Awesome Kong versus Gail Kim for um like impacts like heyday with their with their knockouts division. Phenomenal matchups between the two of them. Um, even um Awesome Kong versus Taylor Wilde. Some great matchups. Pretty much anything during Awesome Kong's run in Impact Wrestling was great. Back when they actually knew what they were doing with their knockouts division. Where I don't think they know what they're doing now. I don't think Impact really knows what they're doing with anything right now. But that's why we don't talk about Impact and why we don't talk about Ring of Honor very often. 
So, yeah. But um, we had a Jericho segment where he was running down Cody. <coughs> oh, excuse me. And then uh, MJF came out and ran down Cody too. <coughs> oh, good lord! It was a big back and forth thing. Yeah, you didn't watch it. it was quite hilarious, to be honest. It was pretty funny. But you should totally check out the the YouTube clip on that. Because <laughs> apparently they couldn't decide if Jericho wanted MJF in the inner circle or if MJF wanted to join the inner circle. Yeah. It was it was quite amusing. And then they, they could also, they both agreed on who's the biggest jackass. Cody Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, which ended up bringing Cody down to the ring. Um Cody kind of went a little bit between the two of them. He did kind of fuck up a power slam on Jericho. They just kind of tumbled around, and it looked really weird and awkward. Um, then AEW's answer to Walter came out. Um, apparently some ass clown named Wardlow. I, I don't know what the fuck a Wardlow is and or what the fuck kind of name Wardlow is. Wasn't that something off of um, True Blood? Maybe. Wasn't, wasn't there like... There's a vampire on True Blood named Wardlow. Probably. I'm pretty sure there was. I think it was towards the that end. That sounds of the like a vampire name. Wardlow. The, this is the shit that kills me is Jericho was running down the name Walter a few weeks ago. Yeah. And then. And AEW brings in a guy named Wardlow. How is that any different? Who clearly took his name from True Blood. <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, we had Hangman versus Pac. Um, it's just been three three weeks in a row. It's not even been three weeks in a row. It's literally they've wrestled three times in a week. Because then they wrestled last Dynamite. Yeah, pretty sure they I'm did. I'm pretty sure they did. Or it was a tag. It was a tag team. It match. was a tag team. That's right. But you know, still, still, they're both in the ring. Yeah. But they at least wrestled twice. So it was some WWE shit is what they're doing right now. So for somebody, for a company that's trying to be different, and then what I don't understand is why do you shit. have one win one time and then the other one win this time? Like the the rubber match between the two of them at full gear should have been the final matchup between the two of them, but now they're tied again two to two because Pac won. So now we got to have another fucking rubber match. Stupid. Um, but during that match, I think it was towards the end of that match. I yeah, I don't remember. Sometime after, somewhere, somewhere after. after that match, um, PNP and the Bucks ended up brawling, which ended, which had some great cameo spots in here. There was one part where Ortiz had thrown, uh, was, uh, Nick Jackson into a bathroom, and Orange Cassidy was just standing there. He just standing here with his glasses and got you hear the, like this enormous pop from the crowd, and all which you was see a is, bigger pop. Was it Ortiz? Than was it Ortiz? Ortiz. I see his Ortiz go up to the door and just like just slowly, slowly just closes closes it. the door, and then he gets a super kick from Matt Jackson. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, then towards the end of this brawl, you had um, uh, Moxley was just sitting there like chilling, like eating some popcorn or something. I don't know what the fuck he was doing, but he was just sitting back there just watching um, Matt Jackson and um, uh, Santana go at it and. <laughs> Yeah, it was all over the place. It was crazy. Table totally. get broke and and then uh, eventually, uh, eventually PMP got the better of the Bucks and just laid them out. Had them just kept beating them up, they, um, beating them up. I think they took out Nick. They took out one of they them. They put um, they put Nick's leg up inside the um the 
the steel like, for the stage. And, and he was hitting them with like a butter sock or something. I don't yeah, know what was in that sock. Something. Had to be a sock full of quarters. And they put prison uh, style. So. Yeah. Then they put the other one through like this little box they had on the outside of the stage. Yeah. Straight through that. And then, uh, yeah, they just kept beating on them. I will, I will say the one thing though, like for people that were worried about AEW with the and the elite putting themselves over, the the elite have gone out of their way to put other talent over. Let's say the Bucks, I think, the, are since, one in five, maybe one in six. Yeah, now, like, they've they've lost way more than they've won. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, because you you'd expect them to go like the full WCW, let's put the wrestlers in charge type thing and book themselves title matches and stuff like that. But no, it's been, it's been the complete opposite. Complete opposite. You actually had a group of guys that paid attention to wrestling history and said, yeah, we're not going to do that. Cause in all honesty, they could have booked Cody Rhodes to be the biggest fucking star in the company. And they didn't. Yeah. Said they have him chasing a title after Jericho. And even your first matchup for the title, Cody or Omega were nowhere near it. And it was hangman. Yep. Who you know? Who's a fantastic talent, but he's not as established as your Kenny Omega or your Cody Rhodes. So, but speaking of Jericho and titles, um, SCU defended the tag team titles against Jericho and Sammy Guevara. I don't know how the fuck Jericho and Sammy Guevara got tag team title shots because one, they're not even an actual tag team, so they have no record as a tag team at all. Yeah. So what the fuck was the point of that? Well, first of all, uh, I don't like Sammy Guevara at all. I can't stand Sammy Guevara. Uh, I, I I guess I guess this is one thing I want to. I mean, he's great in the ring. Yeah, yeah, he he's phenomenal in the ring. Matches, he's I phenomenal just, in the I just ring. Don't like him. I think the one thing with me I don't understand is so his entrance. If you look, he has this like logo, and it's like him with like this like. Thing over him. Well, panda bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fat thing. So why doesn't he wear that to his interest to the he ring? He used to. Yeah, he didn't do it anymore. Not since he joined the inner circle. So you stop Then make a new fucking entrance that doesn't have that. That's um, one thing. I just don't like his character. His character sucks. Yeah, he's no Angel Garza. His character sucks. It does. But, um, the biggest thing coming out of this is Scorpio Sky picked up the win by rolling up Jericho. Yeah. So, was this pretty much just to get Sky a pin over your world champion? Probably. Because if that, if that is, I'm cool with that. Because Scorpio Sky has been the fucking man since coming to AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with SCU. So Very seriously. Mm-hmm. It was great. So, um, so, yeah, that was rundown is AEW. So, that's your full gear and your dynamite. But we talked some... Um, NWA power. Yeah. We have the uh, return of my man, Trevor Murdoch, this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That fat bastard <laughs> beat Caleb Conley. Um, love Trevor Murdoch. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Trevor Murdoch <laughs> Which is, is awesome. funny. The dude is like 500 pounds, but his finishing move is a fucking off-the-top rope bulldog. Great. You're talking about someone that used to do a Canadian Destroyer. yeah. When he, he probably wrestled, so good. When he wrestled in WWE, um, he was a tag team with Lance Cage. Yeah, Cade and Murdoch. And they kind of split him up a little bit. They split him up during like one of their draft things. 
And Murdoch did the Canadian Destroyer as his finisher, but he called it the Ace of Spades. Yeah. So it was freaking awesome to see a big dude like that hit a move like the Canadian Destroyer. But um, I'm sure he probably still could. I'm sure he could too. I've seen some videos of him going off a fucking barn through some tables. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Murdoch is insane. Um, so Murdoch beat Conley. Um, Aaron Stevens quit. He's going off to Hollywood to film some another softcore porn thing in his little flesh-colored tights. So um, I don't fucking know. Like. I, I just don't know. Um, uh, Thunder Rosa and Marty Bella tag team action over a couple of bitches. One named Crystal Rose, which I think was her stripper name. And um, another chick named Brooklyn Creed. Really, like, Crystal Rose. Come on. Who did you fucking come up with that name? So, I'm sorry. But once you see, when you see people whose names like make no sense or it sounds like their stripper stage name and they get into the ring with like two established talent, you know they're not going to lose and it's going to be a squash match. And that's pretty much what it was. Thunder Rosa and Marty Bell just destroyed them. Uh, we had the question mark debut. And I am 100% sure the question mark is Josephus. You, you cannot tell me. You don't know that. I, I know it's Josephus. You cannot tell me that when they eventually unmask this guy, it's not going to be fucking Josephus. You don't know that. Same body type. He's got the beard. Like, same beard. And his there hair is, be another fat guy with a beard. <laughs> his there's plenty of those in NWA. Yeah, there's quite a few fat guys with beards in NWA. But, um, <laughs> it's definitely not one of the Dawson's. His teeth were straight. So, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I'm I'm 100% positive it's Josephus. Uh, Wild cards retained against Kingston and Homicide, which was a weird-ass close to the show. Yeah. It's It's like everybody pretty much came out and started arguing. Yeah. There's no fighting. What are we, a fucking drama at 2 o'clock in the morning? What the fuck? TV Uh, drama? Telenovela. (laughs) Soap opera. I don't know. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why did nobody throw a punch? Yeah. James Storm is all up in Nick Aldis's face, and, like, none of them are fighting. James Storm, who's a fucking beer-swilling redneck cowboy. Who literally said during the show... He was going to kick his ass. He was going to kick his ass, and he's just saying his face, No, pick beat his ass. It's terrible. Like... I love NWA, but their story... Their storytelling has not been consistent... From week to week, and it's it kind of sucks because like I watch wrestling, you know, not just me for the wrestling, the in-ring action, like the storylines are what keeps you coming back. The in-ring action keeps you hooked, but the storylines and how they develop and where they go is what keeps me personally tuning in every week. Yeah. Unless it's Rusev Lana and Lashley. Yeah. They come on my TV. I want to slip my fucking throat. So, uh, that was NWA. I really like NWA show. But I need $15,000 if anyone wants to front me some money. Um, I need to buy me a baby face from Tony Falk and his uh, cow wrestlers. <laughs> so, 
I'm serious. I need the 15K because I need a baby face. <laughs> oh, God. Um, finally, for getting the ring, I think um, NXT. Um, pretty solid show. We start off the show with a uh, Cruiserweight title match with Leo Rush um, retaining against Angel Garza. Phenomenal match. Angel Garza, if you're not familiar with the Garza family, um, WCW in the 90s with their cruiserweight division, um, of course, pulled a lot of um, talent from AAA. Um, one of them was Hector Garza, who, of course, is Angel Garza's father. Phenomenal talent, very underutilized, like most of the, the luchadors in WCW. Um, I believe he was a member of the LWO. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, that is the Latino World Order. Because, you know, WCW went hog wild with, you know, your world orders. So you had the new world order, the Latino world order. So, um, but, yeah, Angel Garz is a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. He's got a very, very bright future ahead of him. I must have missed it, but they were talking about it during the match. I guess Garza, I guess Leo Rush's mom or family was there. And, like, Garza got, like, all up in their face and started talking <laughs> shit. About Rio Rush or whatever, I was just like... You know, it would funny if Rush's wife was sitting in front row and Angel was hitting on his wife. That would have been better. That would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, what else happened? We had uh, Rhea Ripley and uh, Tegan Knox were taken out by someone backstage, which, of course, was probably um, Baszler's Survivor Series team. Or, not Survivor Series, War Games team. Um, Zia Lee over Aaliyah. Um, which, honestly, as soon as you see Aaliyah step out to the ring, you know Aaliyah's losing to begin with. Um, her and Vanessa Bourne. So. She hasn't won a match since uh, 1996? Probably. So. When she was like two. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Pinning a teddy bear. Pinning so. a teddy bear. <laughs> uh, Finn Balor is in the ring talking trash um, about Gargano and Riddle. Um, Riddle comes out. Uh, they start brawling. Um, Undisputed Era hits the ring and uh, surrounds Riddle pretty much. Uh, Ciampa and Keith Lee come out. And then Donovan Dijakovic hits the ring to pretty much even up the odds. So you think you have your four team members, your, your team set for war games. But um, yesterday they just announced Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle. So now the men's war games match is still down a person. So you still have the team of Ciampa, Lee, and Dijakovic taking on Undisputed Era. So, of course, we're still missing a team member, which I am 99.9999999% sure that it will be, we will see the return of the Velveteen Dream. We know that it's going to be probably the biggest missed opportunity they could have. I don't think it's going to happen until War Games. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way they should do it. They should wait until gonna, then, and then he come out there. I don't think they're going to announce that Velveteen is returning. Yeah. Which would be the smart thing for them to do, and just have it be, you know, what we, we couldn't find they, anyone. They all be out there in the ring, be like, who's your last partner? Who's your last partner? He's the we, fourth person to come just going to do three people, blah, blah, blah. And all you hear is, Velveteen Dream. D-R-E-A-M. That would be awesome. Best way to do that. 
Uh, what else happened? We had... Uh, uh, yeah, the whole brawl with Undisputed Era and all them um, ended up turning into a match with Keith Lee and Roderick Strong, which Keith Lee won. Um, then that's when um, Undisputed Era attacked, then Dijakovic made the save, making him the fourth member of the War Games team, which he's not really the fourth member. He's the third member replacing Matt Riddle. Um, Isaiah Scott over Bronson Reed. Uh, Pete Dunn was supposed to take on Killing Dane. Never happened as Damian Priest destroyed both of them. Um, Io Shirai picks up the win in the ladder match against Mia Yim um, to gain the starting advantage for the women's war game match. Um, da, 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 da. Kaylee Ray is the fourth member for Team Baszler. Um, as she came out and helped uh, Team Baszler destroy... Uh, Team Ripley, and then Bailey makes a surprise NXT appearance and takes out Ripley on the stage with a chair. Uh, Baszler. Uh, Baszler, yeah, takes out Baszler with a chair. So, um, yeah, but ends up being chased off by Bianca Belair and Kaylee Ray. So. so there's NXT, and that is your weekly roundup for wrestling shows. That is the Get in the Ring segment. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll, we, we will return that with the Q&A and some. We got some audio questions this week. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about that. We got some awesome audio questions, so we can actually have someone else read their own questions so we don't have to do it this week. <laughs> It'll be great. All right, stay tuned, and we will be back with the Q&A and the trivia. All right, and we are back. So let's jump into the Q and A. What? 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 All right, so we got, like I said, a couple audio questions this week. So I'm really excited about these. Um, the first one comes from our listener, Hook Thompson, out of Alabama. So let's hear what, uh, what uh, Hook's question was. Hey. This is Hook Thompson from Hoover, Alabama. Roll Tide. Nothing's more important to me than family, especially my cousin Barbara Jean and my sister. That being said, who's your favorite wrestling family, real or kayfabe? I don't know what to do to this. Hang up. All right. Thank, thank you, Hook. And, uh, yeah, Roll Tide, baby. Roll Tide. Yeah. So, um, favorite wrestling family. Yeah. There's, real or there's, kayfabe. There's a lot. So, a lot. It took me a little bit to narrow narrow it down. Um, do you want to do your answer first? Or? That's fine. Uh, mine is definitely going to be the Hardy Boys. Um, obviously, being brought up in North Carolina, it's always been one of those, like, it's always one of those things where, like, you have somebody from your hometown, you just kind of root for them. It's always been like that. But uh, it's always been kind of like a family thing, too, because... Um, my mom used to work the events and stuff. She used to be do that kind of work, and she used to always tell me how much she loved Matt and Jeff Hardy, how nice and kind the two of them were to her and all that stuff. And I've definitely met both of them, and they've always been really nice to me. And I've always kind of had like a always loved watching them as a kid, and even when they came back not that long ago, and all the journeys they've gone through, and 
I've loved the Hardys for so long. So they've always been one of my favorite tag teams of all time and definitely one of the best families I know. So Nice. That's that's a uh, solid solid choice. Yeah. So um mine like I said took me took me a little bit. Um had to rack my brain on this one. It was one of the tougher questions that we've had. Um but for me, you know, breaking it down between real and kayfabe, um it was really hard. You know, you know, because you've got like kayfabe families like the Dudley Boys, um, which there's like 50 million of them. So, yeah, I mean, you can't forget guys like Spike Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, Bubba Ray, Devon, and of course, my personal favorite, Big Dick Dudley. Um, but my <laughs> all time favorite wrestling family, of course, is a real family. Um, and it's, it's the Hart family. Um, to me, they've like, I'm sitting thinking about like what wrestlers have I been a fan of? that have been like in a family situation or like, you know, second, third generation. But I grew up watching, you know, the Hart Foundation, you know, Brett and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And then of course, you know, and Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Then you had the the Hart Foundation with the four of them plus Brian Pillman. And then even now, you know, there's still, you know, Hart family wrestling. Uh, you have Teddy Hart and MLW. Um, of course, you have Natalia, who's still part of the WWE, one of the most established divas. Not divas anymore, I'm sorry, excuse me. One of the most established women's wrestlers um, on WWE's roster. And throughout my length of watching wrestling, there's always been someone from the Hart family for me to cheer on and for me to to be a fan of. And you know, the Hart family is one of those one of those families. You know, where, you know, my second choice was the Guerrero family, um, being with Eddie and Chavo. But, I mean, the hearts kind of embody wrestling for me as a wrestling family. So, so that's the answer for that one. Um, but we do have a second audio question from Sister Mildred. So let's hear what uh, Sister Mildred has to ask us. Hey, baby. This is Sister Mildred calling from the Buena Vista Baptist Church. And I just want to say, I really love this WrestleGating podcast you babies are doing. Wrestling is my favorite sport, and my favorite wrestler is old Cold Stone Steve Austin. So I just want to know what your baby's favorite Cold Stone Steve Austin moment is. And remind y'all that the church is having a cakewalk this Tuesday to raise money for the building fund. Love you babies. Bye. All right. Well, thank you, Sister Mildred. Those are some very, very kind words, and we're very glad that you enjoy this Wrestle Again podcast that we're all doing over here. Yeah. Um, and we will be sure to spread the word on the cakewalk that's coming up on this coming Tuesday. So, of course, this episode will be out tomorrow, which is Saturday. So, in a few days, go ahead support Miss Mildred's church. Go hit up that cakewalk to raise money for the building fund. So, um, favorite. Cold Stone, Cold Stone, Stone Steve, Steve Austin moment. I'm sure Miss Mildred met um, Stone Cold Steve Austin moment. Um, yeah. There's, again, a ton of those. Austin is one of those guys that has had so many moments in his run in professional wrestling. Um, you can even go back to it as, you know, stunning Steve Austin in WCW, 
Um, of course, when he was let go from WCW and he had his run in ECW very briefly, and then, you know, the Ringmaster, and then into Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mine probably is one of the more iconic moments, um, because without this, we wouldn't actually have the Stone Cold Steve Austin that we had throughout the Attitude Era. And that, of course, is the finals of the King of the Ring Tournament, uh, where Austin had beat Jake Roberts, and we had the birth of Austin 316. That one being one of the most iconic, probably the most iconic Austin moment that's out there. And a lot of people are like the beer truck, or, you know, the ATV to the ring, or when he joined the Alliance, but we wouldn't have any of that if Austin never said, you can talk about your Psalms and your John 316, but Austin 316 said, I just whooped your ass. Yeah. Without that, we wouldn't have had any other Austin moment. Yeah. We wouldn't have my, my Austin definitely moment. Definitely wouldn't have yours. <laughs> my, my, my moment is definitely probably one of the funniest fucking things ever to be shown on TV. Was it the, the Zamboni? No, it wasn't that one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it definitely was the the bedpan to Vince McMahon's face in the hospital. You know, Vince McMahon has his foot all wrapped up, and you know he thinks he has a nurse, but gosh forbid, if Steve Austin comes around, beats the shit out of him, he's just screaming, wailing, and Austin gets that bedpan, smacks him upside the head. I can hear the sound now, right at his head, knocks his ass out. Beating the shit out of him. Oh, so no, great. That was a great moment. And another then, one. I was saying, another one I was thinking about while I was thinking about it is like all the segments with like him and Angle where he's having like all the stupid ass hats and yeah. Austin's just like. Some good stuff too. You know, another one of my favorites is the the brawl between Austin and Booker T in the convenience store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> Will the world beat your eye like a big pizza pie? <laughs> or even uh, we would we would never have CLB without Stone Cold no. Steve Austin. No, nope. Christian would never Not have so. his greatest nickname ever made from uh, ever made. Worst nickname ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he shouldn't Austin. have been a creepy little bastard then. A lot of Austin moments. So uh, thank you to uh, Hook Thompson and Sister Mildred for those awesome questions. Uh, we look forward to uh, next week's Q&A. Um, hopefully we'll get a couple more audio questions, but we shall see. So um, as always, you can email us for the Q&A at askrussellgeddon at gmail.com. Um, you can email audio. You can just you know type in a question, anything you want to do. Um, and we'll be more than happy to give you our thoughts and our opinions on the on whatever the question is. Um, but let's jump into the trivia. So last week's trivia question was, who was the first person to pin Mr. Perfect in WWE? So if you knew the answer and you answered Hulk Hogan, go ahead and give yourself that good old-fashioned Barry Horowitz pat on the back. Or you can go ahead and give yourself one of those DDP self-high fives. Because so, you were correct. Uh, this week's question 
uh, with the big news of CM Punk returning to you know WWE in the capacity that he did, um, I wanted a CM Punk question. So, your question this week for your trivia is: Who was CM Punk's first opponent when he debuted on television on the WWE ECW brand? His first opponent, which um was not who I thought it was. I will say that. I I can tell you right now, I would never have known. Nope. No idea. It was, um, it definitely wasn't Aldo Montoya. I can tell you that. So, it was not the Portuguese man of war. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, great. But, um, so, um, we also have one thing. We got a top five this week. I think we're going to start doing the top five, um, just about every week. So, uh, this week, our top five finishing moves. Yeah. Top five finishing moves. Our, our top five favorite finishing moves. Top five favorite finishing moves. We've kind of discussed a little bit. Hey, our, our lists are completely different. There's, yes. There's, there's so many finishers. It's, there, yeah. Um, um, so, so we do number five, then we'll like alternate. So I'll do five, yeah. do five, we'll go that way. Um, so my number five is... Um, the diamond cutter. Which is funny because my number five is the RKO. Without the diamond cutter, there would be no RKO. <laughs> Very true. Uh, number four for me is going to be the shooting star press. Not just any shooting star press, though. Billy Kidman's shooting star press. Really good. Which was the first time I had ever seen the shooting star press. And, like, it brought a tear to my eye. It was a thing of beauty. Like, nobody does a shooting star press as flawless as Billy Kidman. Sure. Uh, My number four is going to be the Stone Cold Stunner. Stone Cold Stunner. The Ace Crusher. Yeah. Nice. The Whippersnapper. The Whippersnapper. The Chart Buster. Chart Buster. Just going for real. The Chart Buster. <laughs> uh, number three for me is going to be. I can't. I didn't write mine down, so I'm trying to remember which ones I had picked. <laughs> uh, the Muscle Buster. That's my number three. The Muscle Buster. Smoe Joe's Muscle Buster. Yeah. So my number three is gonna be my surprise for you, because yeah, I don't think like drop. <laughs> I don't know that you thought I was gonna pick it, uh, <laughs> and I did pick it for a specific reason. Uh, my number three is gonna be the end of days. The end of days. Yeah. That is a pretty solid finisher. It's a very really solid like finisher. I think for me, it's one of those finishers like no one else does it. Like it's something Corbin. I can't think of anyone else has used it. There may I've be someone, never, I've never really seen anyone seen else has used it. Anyone like it's for that. me, it's something I, that I guess Corbin just thought of his own. He had to like I don't. I've never seen anyone else use the move think, exactly um, how he has it. I'm sure someone's probably. I know Jay it, Lethal does something similar when he the lethal injection, but it's um, it doesn't have that full like. You know, whip down and pull back up that yeah. Corbin has on it. So, but it's it's a pretty solid and unique finisher. Um, my number two 
is a pretty... It's a classic. It's Macho Man Randy Savage's Flying Elbow Drop. Nobody does the elbow drop better than Savage. I don't care who you want to argue with. You can throw at me Kyrie Sane. You can throw at me Shawn Michaels. You can throw at me Bailey. Zack Ryder. I don't give a shit who it is. But Savage has the best fucking elbow drop that there ever was. And ever will be. Uh, my number two, speaking of Shawn Michaels, I'm a super kick man. And nobody Here. has a better super kick than Shawn Michaels. So you, uh, you fancy you fancy yourself some uh, super kick parties, huh? Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. And number one, my number one pick for top five favorite finishers, of course, is from one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, and that is Shane Helms's Vertebraker, which has been adapted by other wrestlers like Homicide, which was called the Gringo Killer. So, what Shane is a Shane Helms original. Yeah. So. So, my number one is the 630. When I first saw Ricochet hit it in Lucha Underground as uh, Prince Puma, Puma, I was in awe. That is is a solid finisher. Yeah. Especially come off the top. A lot of, a lot, you got to hit it right. Like, you can't, that's not something you can just fuck up. Oh, no. He hits no, it. Per- he hits it perfect. Yeah, exactly. Oh. But he hits it perfect every time. Like I've never seen it. It's, I mean, I've seen it sometimes where I feel like he probably puts a little bit more on the the guy on the mat, but he hits it so well, and like it's it to me, it's it's a move that is so perfect when you do. You can perfectly do it every single time, and he does it. It's funny that you go with the six thirty. Is like it, like one of the other moves I was thinking of was the four fifty. Yeah. Which because the six thirty is just you know a couple extra an extra rotation on the four fifty. Um, well, yeah, that's yeah, that's solid. But uh, but yeah, that's our uh, top five. Top five all time favorite finishers next week. Um, being how that we are Survivor Series is that weekend. Or is it the weekend after? No, it's this coming up weekend, I think. That is this weekend, yep. Pretty sure it it's is. coming up weekend, next weekend. So um our top five next week will be our top five favorite Survivor Series traditional five on five Survivor Series teams. Oh. Or at least traditional Survivor Series elimination teams, whatever whatever one. Whatever we thought was the best. Yeah. Survivor series pairing. So that'll be our top five for next week. And, unfortunately, that is the end of this week's edition of the WrestleGeddon Podcast, kiddies. I am so sorry, but that's all we got. There's really nothing else to talk about. Nothing else? Oh. Hope you, uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, we pride ourselves on our wrestling talk, and, and uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And, as always... Fuck this shit. Yeah. Woo woo. Woo woo.
WCW, because we've got more power with WCW Power Slam Wrestlers. Power Slam Wrestlers are stronger and tougher, and nothing gets in their way. With spinning kicks, Goldberg Spear, Sting's Bat Attack, and Nash's Powerbomb, these giants of wrestling will knock the competition down to size. Are you ready to come where the big boys play? Then you're ready for WCW Power Slam Wrestlers. Just try to top us. WCW Power Slam Wrestlers, figures and rings sold separately.